cancel culture, erasure culture, wokeism has had a devastating impact on our country. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Virginia Allen. And that was Timothy Gagline, author of the new book, Toward a More Perfect Union. Gagline argues in the book that America's lack of historical knowledge is crippling the nation. In fact, he traces much of the failure to teach sound American history to Howard Zinn. Because Gagline says Zinn's goal was not to teach facts, but opinions. Fortunately, Gagline says that there are solutions for how we can improve history being taught in the classrooms today. And he joins me on the show to explain what some of those solutions are and how we can further our society through teaching proper history. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. As conservatives, sometimes it feels like we're constantly on defense against bad ideas, bad philosophy, revisionist history, junk science, and divisive politics. But here's something I've come to understand. When faced with bad ideas, it's not enough to just defend. If we want to save this country, then it's time to go on offense. Conservative principles are ideas that work. Individual responsibility, strong local communities, and belief in the American dream. As a former college professor and current president of the Heritage Foundation, my life's mission is to learn, educate, and take action. My podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, is my opportunity to share that journey with you. I'll be diving into the critical issues that plague our nation, having deep conversations with high-profile guests, some of whom may surprise you. And I want to ensure freedom for the next generation. Find The Kevin Roberts Show wherever you get your podcasts. It is my pleasure today to welcome to the show Vice President of External and Government Relations for Focus on the Family and author Timothy Gagline to discuss his latest book, Toward a More Perfect Union. Mr. Gagline also formerly served as a special assistant to Vice President George W. Bush. Thank you so much for being here today. Virginia, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Now, your latest book is Toward a More Perfect Union, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. And my goodness, what an appropriate time to be talking about this. Education is a hot button issue right now, and it's one that has to be addressed. Why did you personally decided that you wanted to enter the conversation on this subject and write a book specifically talking about our American story and the need to teach that in the classroom? Well, I love that question. And here's a a very brief answer. Uh, There are two reasons. The first is, as one of the vice presidents at Focus on the Family, I travel uh, about a third of the time. And over the course of the last two years, uh, literally everywhere I have gone, east to west, north to south, Uh, I meet hundreds of people who say, I have never been more concerned about my country than I am now. Secondly, if they have children or grandchildren, they will say, I'm particularly concerned uh, about, uh, you know, the state and fate of our country and and culture. And the third thing they say is, what can I do? You know, what what, what is the problem, but what can I do? So uh, I decided Uh, to jump into, uh, you know, an endless amount of research and to find out what is the seedbed of our historic illiteracy? Where is the seedbed of the cultural problem in America? 
And I share in the book uh, a story uh, that I first learned from the historian David McCullough a number of years ago when I was working in the White House. And he shared with me that he had insomnia, genuine insomnia, because he was so concerned about the rising generation of young Americans who overwhelmingly were superb people, but they knew nothing about our founding and our history. And he didn't want to indict anybody, but he said, what are we going to do? So toward a more perfect union, which is this new book, uh, my third book, uh, is, uh, is my way of adding to the conversation and offering a tool in the toolbox for people uh, who want to address uh, not only our historic uh, you know, insomnia, uh, but to actually do something about it. And, and that's the purpose of Toward a More Perfect Union. Well, I was so fascinated in the book that you do address how we got to this place and the fact that this isn't really a new problem, that schools have been failing to teach history well for a long time, and we've actually been seeing revisionist history in, in academia for a very long time, correct? We have indeed. And in fact, Virginia, I document in Toward a More Perfect Union this breakdown uh, in history and, and civic education. And I, I tie it directly to many of the ills that we face as a nation. Uh, incivility, bad leaders, cultural decay, cancel culture. Um, I actually quote uh, former President Eisenhower. He said, a people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. And I thought, wow, that has never been more timely or topical or relevant. And so to your point, Virginia, it's my sense, and I write about this uh, in the book, that we have forgotten our principles while exalting our privileges. But it seems to me that without uh, principles to serve as a foundation that we will eventually lose our privileges. And that is what we are seeing playing out in our culture every single day. And it's why I wrote Toward a More Perfect Union. It's not a book uh, that says, here are all the problems. It's a book, as you know from reading it, that offers many of the problems, but it addresses those uh, with solutions or ways to actually address uh, the challenges that we are that we are living through and seeing. Which we so need. I think it's very easy to focus on the problem and just get very discouraged and stop there. But I love that you are presenting solutions, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, but I would be curious to hear from you, from the research that you have done for the book, from your own personal experience, what is the view that, that most high schoolers, most college students have of America and have of our history right now? Well, uh, let me just start out by saying that uh, if there are two overused words uh, in our great country, it might be shocking and stunned, those two <laughs> words. Uh, but uh, the more that I got into the empirical data, I was shocked and stunned. And I could use a lot of examples. I do a site many of them in Toward a More Perfect Union. But just for our uh, wonderful conversation, let me uh, share uh, some, some startling statistics. Um, there was a survey done of uh, public high school students, uh, which was drawn from the U.S. citizenship test 
that all uh, immigrants must take before they become legal citizens. And remember, this is public high school students in the United States. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, only one in four could name George Washington as the first president of the United States. Uh, barely 10% knew that there are nine justices on the United States Supreme Court. Less than 30% knew that the president heads the executive branch of our government. And uh, only 3%, uh, Virginia, were able to answer six out of the 10 questions, uh, which is you know, the passing score for the US citizenship test. So I think in summation, it's fair to say that these students would now be in their early to mid uh, 30s casting votes, uh, you know, rallying, running uh, and holding political offices. And yet, uh, and I, I say this even as a limitless optimist, um, but uh, you know, they are woefully ignorant of not only our history and culture, but our, our system of government. And uh, you know, I'd like to say that there are particular uh, large empirical data sets where you say, my gosh, that's a dramatic uh, improvement or that's a incremental improvement, uh, but it's, it's not. And uh, when, you, when you summarize these important national studies, you find that only, in, in the main, that only about half uh, are able to earn what you and I would say is a passing grade uh, in U.S. Uh, history and civics on the most uh, basic questions. So what's the result of that then in society and in culture when you have individuals uh, that are graduating that can't pass a U.S. citizenship test? I think that we have to say that cancel culture, erasure culture, wokeism, uh, has had a devastating uh, impact uh, on our country. And we have to uh, agree ultimately with our founders uh, who believe very strongly that if you want to have a, uh, a constitutional republic uh, that is robust in freedom and liberty, uh, that, that you have to pay a lot of attention to virtue. You have to pay a lot of attention to character, and you have to form citizens uh, who can bear the weight uh, of a free society. And I, and, I, and I think that the result of cancel culture uh, is now measurable. And I think we have to uh, uh, realize that some of the most important, I mean, uh, objectively, the most important figures uh, in American history have been canceled. And what is the net result of a large portion of the next generation of citizens and leaders uh, who are living in areas where George Washington has been erased, Thomas Jefferson's been erased, Abraham Lincoln's been erased. And it's, it's not just American figures, by the way, uh, toward a more perfect union, which by the way, the title of my book is taken from the the preamble to the Constitution, uh, you know, figures like Winston Churchill, um, you know, have been, uh, you know, have really been frontally assaulted in this regard. Uh, so I, I think these are a very uh, concerning uh, data set, 
and uh, they have real implications for the future of our of our country. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Timothy Gagline, author of Toward a More Perfect Union. And I was interested that you write in the book about Howard Zinn and how we can really look back and point back to him as some of the root of really how we've gotten to where we are today and why American history is being in many ways rewritten, this uh, arisal of of wokeism and cancel culture. Why is Howard Zinn's influence over America so lasting? You know, Virginia, I devote in toward a more perfect union an entire chapter to Howard Zinn. Uh, he is uh, essentially the architect of much of this dis, uh, information, and he wrote and published, and uh, it was very widely used. His textbook on American history uh, has gone through dozens of printings, and the malevolence uh, of of his uh, of his so-called history has had a withering and terrible effect on generations of Americans, by the way, not only in public schools, but in private and parochial schools. And I thought it was very important that people became much more aware uh, of Howard Zinn, his uh, books, and uh, and the terrible impact uh, that he has had. His goal, by the way, and I document this in the book, his goal was not to teach facts, but opinions. Um, and and he wanted, he said, to transform American history. And his goal, of course, was to denounce Western civilization and to convince students to reject it. Uh, and uh, by the way, he said and wrote that it was marred uh, by the religion of popes, the government of kings, the frenzy of money. You know, this th- this passes as history. And it's easy for all of us just to discount someone like this and to say, well, well, of course, that's that's not something uh, or someone that we would embrace. But in fact, Howard Zinn is the most widely embraced historian of American history uh, being taught in our schools. Uh, And I thought it was very important that, among other things, uh, that we uh, became much better, uh, uh, you know, and much more familiar uh, with with him and with his history, uh, you know, he states that America became involved in World War II, for instance, to protect. And by the way, I'm quoting him to protect the imperial interests of the United States. I mean, Virginia, his version of history is now the dominant one being taught in our education system. And I think it's very important that we are uh, that we're uh, manifestly aware of the malevolence of his so-called history of America. You write in Toward a More Perfect Union that in order to solve this problem, it's going to require a proactive approach rather than a reactive one. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I think, if I may say, Virginia, that this is the most important tool in our toolbox when it comes to the way forward. We must stand up to this lack of teaching and propaganda. Uh, if we are uh, going to preserve America, I actually believe the stakes are that high. Uh, you know, the the writer Barry Weiss, I, I quote because I think I think what she says is so important. She says, "Keeping the spirit of liberty alive in an age of creeping illiberalism 
is nothing less than our moral obligation. And she says everything depends on it. And I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves, what, what do we want? And I think what we want, I think the goal here, and I hope that toward a, a more perfect union, this book, I hope that, that we have helped to plant a seed. I think what we want is we want an informed uh, citizenry that is equipped with the right facts. Uh, you know, if I had to summarize the goal uh, of, of, of the book, uh, I think that's what it is. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Reaganite. I, I really admire and love Ronald Reagan. And he sounded the alarm uh, when all of this was really uh, take, beginning to take place uh, when he wrote that an informed patriotism is what we want. I think that's right, that we've got to do a better job of getting across that America, the United States of America, this extraordinary country, is freedom. Uh, it's freedom of speech. It's freedom of religion. It's freedom of enterprise. I mean, our great constitution, the centerpiece of our country, uh, you know, has been, uh, as we have you know, shown in the book and as we've shown in this conversation, you know, really put uh, in, in, in the back seat. Uh, freedom is very special and it's very rare. And as Reagan said, it's fragile. You know, it actually needs protection. And, and I think the president was right that if we forget what we did, you know, we won't know who we are. Mm. And, and he was warning us of what he called an eradication of the American memory that could result in the erosion of the American spirit. And it seems to me that that is precisely uh, what, the, what, what, what the stakes are in this entire uh, national uh, debate and conversation that we are having. And so, so, Virginia, it seems to me that we ought to do the old-fashioned thing. We ought to start with the facts. Uh, <laughs> our, our second president, John Adams, said facts are stubborn things. I love that. I think that that's, uh, I think that that's where we're at. Mm. Well, I, I love that you mention Barry Weiss because she is one of the, the many voices that you mention in the book that's really speaking out on this issue. And we've seen such a, a wide array of individuals in very different spheres from the academic to, to the journalist to authors who are all really putting out warning signals and saying we need to wake up, see what is happening in our education system do you think that we're approaching a tipping point where finally Americans will wake up and we'll see a swing, a solid swing back to teaching American principles, the Constitution, American founding correctly? I am an inveterate optimist. Uh, and it seems to me that the best days for our great country uh, you know, are, are ahead of us. And I think that we are definitively uh, at a hinge point of American uh, history because that the, the, you know, the ultimate goal of cancel culture and uh, items such as the 1619 Project, which uh, you know, I write about at length in the book, uh, it's really, th their goal is to destroy America's foundations through ignorance and uh, disinformation and to essentially create an entirely different nation that no longer embodies the principles uh, of the Declaration of Independence uh, or the Constitution. And, uh, and so I fully and totally agree that we are uh, at a hinge point. And, you know, great countries, great nations have to decide. 
and uh, and I think we are uh, now engaged uh, in that decision process. Uh, many of the institutions that served us so well and that were so reliable for so long um, have become as confetti. And I think that we have to admit that we need strong institutions, uh, that the institutions matter, uh, that the Constitution is central, foundational, that the words are fixed, have a fixed meaning. And so I think we have to uh, go tell a new generation uh, the great American uh, story. And as I say in the subtitle of this book, uh, it's not just a, uh, a cultural question. That's absolutely the case. But it is also a moral question. Freedom is worth defending. Uh, and, uh, and so, yes, I think we are definitively at a chapter of American history uh, that, uh, that is uh, calling upon uh, our better selves. And uh, we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Briefly, before we let you go, what would be your advice to teachers listening or parents listening who are thinking, I, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to teach my kids, whether they're my own children or the children that I'm teaching, American history, truth. But it sounds a little overwhelming. Where do they start? Uh, thank you. And that, that is a perfect uh, you know, codicil to this uh, wonderful uh, conversation. Here's what I would say. I would say that the battle uh, for the soul of our nation begins in our homes, uh, which will then hopefully transform our schools and I suppose restore the proper teaching of American history and civics. Um, and I believe that if we uh, have a notion that this is going to be effectively addressed by starting in Silicon Valley or in Wall Street uh, or in uh, some of our uh, most famous uh, you know, uh, places of higher learning, uh, it seems to me that we are uh, seriously uh, wrong in that analysis. I think it has to begin at the local level. I think it has to begin uh, where we live. It has to begin in our homes, in our communities, in our uh, places of worship, uh, and, and then we have to build from there. And it seems to me that that's the place where restoration and regeneration and renewal can happen. And as I say and write in, uh, you know, toward a more perfect union, I'm confident that there are millions of people who are passionate uh, and agree that these uh, first principles are the thing. And I think uh, it's uh, time to, to buckle up and, and move onward. Timothy Gagline, the author of Toward a More Perfect Union, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. You can pick up your copy today and order it on Amazon. Mr. Gagline, thank you so much for your time today. Virginia, thank you so much. Be of good cheer. If you are interested in picking up a copy of Gagline's book, again, you can get it on Amazon. We'll be sure to put that link in today's show notes. But thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out our evening show, take a minute to do so. Every single day at 5 p.m. every weekday, we drop a top news edition to bring you the headlines that you care about. Also, take a moment to subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We love hearing your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you right back here at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. 
Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.